Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Welcome back, Gaining Momentum community. We're so glad you're here. Abby, I'm so glad you're here as per usual. How are things? Things are good. I am tired all the time because daylight savings has not been saving me. I am (laughs) like, I can't, I feel like I'm talking more slowly because my brain's just slowed right down. Yeah. Molasses. Yeah. Total molasses effect. So sorry, everybody. If it sounds like my tongue has swollen to like 10 times its regular size. (laughs) Are you having an allergic reaction? (laughs) Do I need to make a call? Well, how are you like, okay, so I feel you on that feeling very like sluggish and tired and whatever. And I'm feeling like, is it daylight savings? Is it like the world like going to shit? Is it like two years of a pandemic? I think maybe it's like all of the things. Yeah. I think I definitely slow down this time of year every year, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure it's definitely has a compounding effect of everything else that's going on. Oh my God. Like I really feel, maybe it's just that I haven't spent as much time speaking out loud. But it just feels like, I don't know. I feel like I'm on something. Like I can't quite, maybe it's my background that I have like this outer space background. You do. I just want to say, I know this isn't a visual medium, but Abby's got a hell of a background today. Like floating through the cosmos. (laughs) Um, So how do you like, I I hear that feeling. I'm living in it too. And uh, slow motion, all of it. How do you pull yourself? Like, can you pull yourself out? Like what's helping you? I don't know, like, like move through the day. I have been exercising more. Mm-hmm. That gives me a nice jolt of adrenaline or energy or what's that word I'm looking for? Is it adrenaline? The hormones. No. I don't it's know. All the cor- hormone cortisol? things. Cortisol. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Dopamine. No, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, endorphins. There we go. Endorphins. <laughs> we got there. We this got is there. hormone talk with Megan and yeah. <laughs> That's our spinoff podcast. <laughs> Science. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been exercising more, which is nice for energy, even though I still don't sound like it. <laughs> and I'm considering getting one of those bright lights. Yeah. Like sun, sa- like a seasonal effective light. Sad, a sad lamp. Yeah. Um, yeah. we used to have one and then it didn't make the move with us, but I think mm-hmm. it's time to get another. Do you have one? No, but I'm deeply considering because I'm really impacted by the dark. Yes. The constant, constant dark. I will say what comes with the dark. And this is like, I'm just, I'm going to go here and I'm going to see what your opinion is on it is that we're getting into like the winter and with mm-hmm. winter comes the festive season. Yes. And I'm finding, for yes, for some, um, I'm finding I'm far more susceptible this year to like er- an early start on festivities. So like, I'm like somebody that is like, gets really irritated with the early start normally. And like, I'm like, why are people putting their lights up? Why is there like music on already? Why are the movies up? But like this year, I'm actually finding I'm like, I don't know, maybe we're just like desperate for joy. I'm kind of leading <laughs> in to like the early, the early dive in. Are you, what's your perspective on that? What are yeah. you willing to like watch a holiday movie right now or like put on some music? Yeah, I'm definitely in the mood for tidings of comfort and joy. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I have, it's already started. I love a terrible Netflix, like holiday themed movie. Got it. And yep. usually I try to wait till December 1st, but I, I don't know if they're rolling them out earlier. They fully or... are. I feel like they are. <laughs> and like the, like uh W network or like, like yes. H- Hallmark network, all yes. those ones. Yeah. Yes. They're so bad, but they're so good. I started, um, like, I guess it's like a Christmas mini series. <laughs> what? Go on. Uh, it's called Christmas flow and it's this, it's on Netflix and it's, Christmas uh, flow. a French television show or mini series, okay. like a three episode mini series about this, like high profile rapper with who's like hit song has like deeply misogynist lyrics. Okay. And then, um, a feminist writer who's like created this feminist collective news collective. Oh my goodness. And yeah, so I'm then... eating this up with a spoon. <laughs> and so then they meet and I'm only halfway through the second of three episodes in this mini series, but I suspect they're going <laughs> to hit it off and get together <laughs> and they're going to change each other's worldviews. I think somehow. so. I think maybe and, like, yeah, she'll add to his worldview. She'll make him a better man. 
yacht. And so, yeah, I am deeply I'm a watch engaged that. in these materials right now. <laughs> yeah, good. I love it. You know what? Oh, yeah, I'm going to dig into that tonight. I'm starting yeah. it this evening. And you know what else came out recently? Um, <laughs> Princess Switch 3. Have you seen those Vanessa Hudgens holiday theme movies? I sure have not, but well, I would like to. Yes. Jump on board. She is back. <laughs> she plays. Uh, I don't even care. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> she pays somebody. So what? Who cares? She plays somebody <laughs> who is uh, probably swapped into a, a royal, like a Princess Diary style, something like that. No, it's okay, like more mind. straight up like doppelganger stuff instead. Oh, doppel- <laughs> I love a doppelganger. I love a, I love a Freaky Friday. No, and then like two doppelgangers becomes three. And it's just like, oh because there's like the Princess goodness. Switch. Then there's like the Princess Switch 2 switched again. And this year's Princess <laughs> Switch 3. Oh no, they didn't. I, that's not actually what it's called, but that might as well be what it's called. <laughs> this feels like an SNL sketch. Oh my goodness. Who that's cares? hilarious. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Um, well, that's lovely. Do whatever you got to do people you know what parents out there in our community folks in our community we support you in doing whatever you need to do right now to like get through be all right or not all right but like live in it whatever is happening for you yeah. um if it's if it's bad holiday movies then we're <laughs> we're there we're with you 100 percent um should we talk about what the episode's about this week yeah speaking of being there with people 100 percent, this week's episode mm-hmm. is on fatherhood and we had yeah. the privilege of speaking to two Amazing human beings, two amazing fathers, Thad and Patrick, who I feel like brought their A game. They were like, they gave such good pod. They gave amazing pod. They were incredible in their perspectives and insights into their experiences, uh, which are, were similar in ways and different in lots of ways, which I think is always really interesting. Mm -hmm. And we were just so happy to get to talk to them and grateful that they took the time to talk with us. So we hope you enjoy the episode as much as we enjoyed the conversation when we had it and we'll look forward to hearing from you on it okay so as meg and i mentioned in the intro our topic for this episode is fatherhood and we have two really great fathers joining us today who we are excited to talk to our first guest that i will intro is patrick i have known patrick since my early 20s so it's been interesting watching the progression of life take him from a bit of a punk to being <laughs> <laughs> to being an awesome father. And he's also an educator. He's a father, as I mentioned, to a two-year-old and a, an infant. So he's got a lot on his plate. And our second guest is Thad, who I have known in some capacity for the better part of my life. Thad is married to one of my best friends, so I have known him a very long time. And it's also been really exciting to watch his growth and his progression as a father. And he is also a vice principal and an educator. So Thad and Patrick, thanks for joining us today, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, super excited to be here and um, can't wait to uh, to talk about fatherhood, something dear to my heart. And thanks for having us on the show. Absolutely. And it was it's so nice to meet you both. This is uh, the first time that I've met you both. Uh, so I just want to say a huge thank you for taking the time to be on uh, be on the podcast. And um, I guess like just to dive right in, I'm going to throw a, a big question your way to start out. Um, and you can answer this however feels good. When we say fatherhood, what does fatherhood mean to you? And whoever wants to start can just jump right in. Wow. <laughs> just an easy, low-key question to start. <laughs> okay, well, I'll go uh, well after that here. I'll let uh, add, uh... You know, that's a, and that's a really great question. And I think if I had had that one before, I think I would have gotten over-analytical and I would have tried to unpack that as best I can. And and I think that would have done a disservice to the just the organic conversation. Mm-hmm. So for myself, when you say father, I think it's just it's sharing my life with someone else. Mm-hmm. I think um, whether you call it motherhood or fatherhood or parenthood, it's it's that I'm going to share my life with someone else, mm-hmm. and that um, really at the heart of it, at the core of it, that's kind of what's speaking and resonating with me. That it's it's about sharing my life with another mm-hmm. person. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. I like that you broke it out too, that it's like, that's kind of just parenthood in general. Mm -hmm. What about you, Patrick? Well, I was going to say like, now I'm going to go off topic already, but no. Do it, do it. (laughs) Just the fact that we're distinguishing between fatherhood, motherhood, and then parenthood, right? Mm -hmm. To me, like kind of like what that said, it goes hand in hand, one in the same, but are there distinguishing traits between the two? 
Like, is there, like, is a great mother, does that, like, the characteristics of a great mother different from what the characteristics of a great father would be? Like, how come the question is never posed as parenthood? I think yeah. that depends, honestly, because if you went back to when we were being parented as children, then there were strictly defined like motherhood roles and fatherhood roles. And I think there wasn't so much shared parenting. And so I think that's what we're trying to unpack and figure out here. How have things changed? What do things look like in different households? Cause I'm sure if we lined up like 10 different sets of parents and we asked them like, what do you do in your home? There would some mm -hmm. that would maybe really closely mirror traditional gender roles some that would just be, you know, whatever works for us. You divvy it up, you get it done, you raise the kids however you raise them. So that's mm -hmm. why we're talking to you. Totally. And Patrick, you you jumped to something that something that we were interested in talking about. You know, how is fatherhood discussed in relation to motherhood? Is it, and because it is so often like juxtaposed. But I think that's really interesting. Like even just right off the bat, like you're talking about your own understandings of fatherhood. Uh, maybe like problematizing that juxtaposition, right? And the roles that folks are playing in their families and um, what parenting, what gendered parenting looks like. And Abby, such a good point. Like in another era, we know that those roles were highly gendered and defined, but um, I'm interested to hear, you know, as two modern progressive fathers, like what does that, <laughs> has that been the case in your own family? And what does that look like and feel like in your own experience of fatherhood? I think for me personally, what it's been, so far, and I guess I'm two years in, this has been a lot of, I guess, projecting the traits that I feel that either I carry myself, but mainly the traits that I looked at others and like, yeah, that'd be awesome if like my kid inherited those somehow. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I guess that somehow is kind of directing them towards that. So that's falling on my shoulders now, I guess. My definition that I was trying to avoid earlier, I guess, is just trying to, preparation, I guess, essentially, just trying to prepare your kid for, uh, the life that you, mm -hmm. the, the life that you think that they have coming, I guess, is, is one of those things. So. Mm -hmm. For sure. And Thad, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think, you know, I would, I would go back to my family of origin, right. I would, I would, I would start off with thinking about whether or not my mom and my dad held stereotypical roles, like who was a disciplinarian, mm -hmm. who was, who was the one that's going to, you know, let me spill tears on their shoulders and the hugs and the cuddles. I'm like, was that, you know, mom in one lane and dad in the other lane? And I don't think there really was. I, I think growing up, my mom was actually more of the disciplinarian, mm -hmm. which I, I think sometimes traditionally we would see the the father as, as having held that role a little bit more. Definitely. And so I wonder if the way that I was raised, obviously I'm thinking out loud here, mm -hmm. it would have a lot to do with where I'm at today. But Myself and Barb, we we don't really have clear set lines of, of who takes care of what. And so I think naturally we have skills in certain areas. Barb often says, don't worry, I'll get you back when the kids are teenagers. <laughs> because I'm, I'm really good with little kids. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes the problem solving and just because I've spent a, a large part of my life working with little kids, I think... Um, my skill sets lend itself to getting little kids unstuck and being mm -hmm. able to explore big feelings. And I said, oh, I'm so going to be challenged for when they're teenagers because yeah. I don't have any time for them. Barb's like, I'm good. I got that covered because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I work I work with high school kids. So I think um, a little bit about how we parent is, is our natural, like a strength-based approach. Yeah. What are you good at? What am I good at? Who's better at setting the boundaries? Who's okay? They're having a meltdown upstairs. Dad, you got this. I got mm -hmm. this. Or, And I think um, that's been something that... Um, I think has been really positive of our relationship is that we lean on each other. We allow our, our strengths to, to, to move forward. And then, you know, if dad's had the fifth problem solving session of the Sunday, I'm going to say tap out, yeah. Barb, you're in, and then Barb's going to jump in. Yeah. Right. Um, but I don't think for, for myself, I don't, I, I, uh, I'm, super comfortable in saying that there are no defined spaces that we need to orient ourselves towards. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to do the best that we can assume positive intent and just, try more days and not to, to, to take care of our kids as best mm -hmm. we can and be forgiving when we're not, we're not pros and we're not experts and we don't wear capes. Mm -hmm. and that's part of, part of parenting too, is I think is a, is showing the same grace and compassion and patience mm -hmm. for yourselves as you do your little ones, totally. which I think can be really hard, right? Cause yeah. that's a hard space. Totally. And some, a counselor once told me, and I just throw this info at anyone that will listen that <laughs> healthy attachment comes from being good enough 40% of the time. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a gift to get that um, 
get that information and have give, be given that permission that you don't need to be perfect and like to get a lot of grace. Well, 40%. So that's not even passing. So I know you don't need to You can get a D you can get a, or an F and, and still be like building. Obviously we strive for better, but it was just, there was something in that that just was like so much grace yeah. <laughs> given to parents. And I want to shift to Patrick. So Thad brought up um, how the makeup of his family growing up and the roles that his parents played has maybe shaped the parent that he is today. So if you feel comfortable sharing anything about the makeup of your family growing up, how do you think that affected and attributed and contributed to your parenting today? Mm, good question. Well, I think pretty much growing up just across the board, I was surrounded, I guess, by pretty defined gender roles, I guess, mm. like, you know, going back to like classic gender roles where mm-hmm. mother was the nurturer and then father was a disciplinarian and mm-hmm. pretty much even around my friend groups group, if I look at it that way, it was pretty much surrounded by that as a whole. So mm-hmm. it's so I guess the curious or the curiosity for me comes in where, like you said earlier, Megan, that we're all so progressive now and uh, wise or a little bit woke here. I'm wondering what the shift was when you guys became parents and thinking like your the definition of what fatherhood would look like and then the role that your partners have played as fathers and <laughs> does that line up with what you anticipated? I see what you're doing here, Patrick, avoiding answering questions. <laughs> <laughs> <Take> them back. <laughs> yeah, so my, well, my partner is a partner. Mm-hmm. Like I refer to him most often as my partner as opposed to my husband because uh, especially in terms of parenting, because I like, I tell anybody who listen, I refuse to parent alone, whether it's mm-hmm. like leading on my friends all of the time, whether <laughs> it's like my partner, my own parents, like I refuse to parent alone. So <laughs> I am like reaching out to everybody as much as possible to make mm-hmm. it a smooth uh, path for my kid. So yeah, I look at my partner as a partner. We like Thad said, like we're quite strength-based. There are a lot mm-hmm. of things that Uh, my partner is stronger at, so he'll take the lead on that. And there are other things that I'm stronger at. So I'll take the lead on that. And some things that we do together because we are equally strength, equally matched in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for, in my case, like, I think that it predates becoming a parent. Like, I think that in looking for, or like, you know, being a young person in the world, looking for a partner, um, you know, that was something that was sort of part of my compass was like, you know, my attraction to somebody was going to always have a component of, um, you know, somebody who was a feminist and that like, you know, this wouldn't be, um, it, it wouldn't, it would be very organic for us to share roles in the same way that everyone's talking about, like much more from a strengths perspective. And we definitely have a kind of an untraditional division of labor. Um, and that was like, you know, that was part of my attraction to my partner to begin with was that it would be a very different kind of dynamic. Um, so I think, you know, but even in, I will say that even in our dynamic, like there are certain things that, you know, like throughout the years have defaulted to me because I'm like a female bodied person who had, um, babies. And so like, you know, like in the early years of being a parent, um, just even like nighttime stuff where like, cause I was nursing, like a lot of that would fall on me. And there was Mm -hmm. like sort of those pieces that I was like, oh, even in our dynamic where it's been very intentional and very like, um, you know, like intentionally equitable and sort of like transgressing a lot of like the gendered, um, stereotypes and norms. There was, there is still sometimes interesting divisions that just come, that come, come up because of like how we've chosen to parent in certain ways. Mm -hmm. I'll second that too, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I did notice there definitely Mm -hmm. nights when my child was a newborn and I just sort of like, be like staring daggers at my partner. Cause I'd be like, (laughs) if there was a way for you to be nursing this child right now, I I would literally like, I don't know, do awful things to just get like two more hours of sleep. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, I'm interested though, like you both kind of, you've talked a little bit about your own, um, backgrounds and sort of like how you understood fatherhood growing up based on like the folks that were around you. Did you have, do you remember having like explicit conversations with your own fathers or father-like figures in your life about fatherhood? Was that something that anyone ever talked about with you? I would say not specifically fatherhood, but I guess like as far as what it meant, I guess, to grow into like manhood. So a lot of Mm. conversations back then, like I said, were gendered. So a lot of the focus was on when you become a man, like certain responsibilities and like, as you get older and older, your responsibility is this and your responsibility is that. And just, Mm -hmm. I guess the expectations of 
what being a man meant at mm. that time and getting those kind of things instilled in you. So a lot of it was, I mean, like a lot of it was like practical, practical stuff. Like, and like I said, once again, I don't know how dated this is going to sound, but like, you know, like gendered stuff. So mm-hmm. like you're the one responsible for taking the garbage out or fixing <laughs> the door when it breaks and like, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff or someone's walking by, make sure you hold the door open for them. Like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Right. So as well as just how you treat other people was mm-hmm. always big, big, big in our house. And like, hello is like the greatest thing. Uh, like we got into so many fights and issues about uh, certain of my friends coming over who uh, I guess didn't value hello as uh, as valuable as it was in our house. So the currency mm-hmm. was uh, proper hello when you came in. So mm-hmm. that was uh, one of the big things. So just like, I guess, day-to-day rules on respects. And that's kind of where I meant where it's what's important to you and what you want your kids to inherit. Mm-hmm. So some of those things, yeah, make total sense. And I would use them and would encourage other people to teach that as well. Mm-hmm. Some of them were just my, like my dad's or like you said, your uncle's personal views on things. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, Oh, now this is ingrained in me. Is it positive or negative that I'm uh, passing this on to the next generation? Right. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really insightful. It's like, what do you choose to hang on to? And what do you choose to reject? Yeah. Like what, what feels good to keep and pass forward and, and integrate into your own parenting and what doesn't. That makes um, me think of Marie Kondo. What's like sparking yeah. joy in parenting? <laughs> Does this bring me joy? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Thad? Uh, did you have conversations about fatherhood and are there things that you've chosen to take forward that are valuable to you and things you've chosen to reject? Yeah. Or not reject, but maybe just leave behind? No, and fair enough. And, and I think probably, you know, my earliest memories of sort of being passed on important life lessons or morals or values or things mm-hmm. that are just going to serve you well in life was more framed through um, how we how we connect with people. Mm-hmm. My dad was a firm believer on like you treat others the way you want to be treated. So I can remember mm-hmm. talking about that. I can remember, um, you know, it not being framed around like when you're a man or when you're grown up, but more like mm-hmm. these are the these are some of the things that I want you to know that will allow you to have a happier, more joyful life. Mm. And so I can even remember, and I, not that I'm doing a cheat sheet here, but my dad bought me this book. It was called for you, my son, uh, life letters. And so it, it talks and it's, it's written beautifully well. And it's like, know you are loved, understand your significance, embrace today, make time. And so I remember my dad giving this to me very early on and saying, you know what I wish my dad was a teacher and he's like, I wish I was really good at writing, but I'm not, I've, I can write songs and poetry and I can write music, but I, it just, writing was not one of his things, but he passed this book on to me. And I think he always framed it through um, how, how to, how to be a good person, be, be mm-hmm. humble, be honest, care for people, um, mm-hmm. speak your truth, tell people that you love them, tell, let people know when you're struggling, ask for help. So I have these like universal, like sort of, um, North stars that have helped sort of, um, illuminate the path of where I've gone. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm a bit of a different story because I, I, for me, I have two dads, so I'm adopted. So my biological Mm -hmm. family found me when I was 36 and all of a sudden I have a second father. So I've got two moms and two dads. So now I've got a new dad to, to ask about life and to, you know, how to help me be the best father that it can be. And it seemed to be, again, these universal truths, like the meaning Mm -hmm. of life is like, how hard did you love? Mm -hmm. How well did you love? How did you let, did you let those other people know in your life how important Mm -hmm. they were? How do you choose to spend your currency, which is time. It's the greatest currency that I have. So, you know, I get to be with you three amazing people and have this moment in my Sunday. And I'm like, I'm grateful for this. So I think for me, it was not framed through being a man or being grown up or when you're a husband, it was just like, what are these universal truths um, Mm -hmm. that have resonated with me? And when I was in the classroom, I I was a teacher and now being a vice principal, I try to bring those forward. Like, how are we treating people? Are, is Mm -hmm. this filling buckets? Are we emptying cups? Are we taking care of each other? How are we Mm -hmm. taking care of ourselves? And I think um, that's what I'm trying to do with my son, but then let him decide where he's going to go with it again does he Mm -hmm. reject it 
What is his spirituality going to be like? How does, mm-hmm. what does it treat others the way you want to be treated? Well, how do people want to treat? And I let that sit with my son and I don't give him the answers. I give him mm-hmm. the questions to consider. And then I step back and we talk about it. So um, I think that's kind of where it was for me. Yeah. So do you do it like as a pop quiz just to like stretch those teacher muscles? <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Always. Uh, never not growing. Right. That's an, that's another one of those things that my dad taught early is, if you think you figured it out, then you you're lost. Don't ever stop mm-hmm. growing. Don't ever stop learning. Don't ever stop asking questions. Um, and be courageous in your quest for knowledge. Like that was something that my dad always taught me is just keep going mm-hmm. after that and um, and let that be freeing that you'll never truly ever figure it all out. And that's something that has been nice because, you know, as Patrick can relate, it's a never ending to do list. Like the list never runs out. There's always something new to learn. There's always something to get done and it will mm-hmm. never end. And that can be perpetual. That's exhausting. And so I freed myself <laughs> by saying, you know what, I'm never going to figure it out. And just every day I'll try to make it a good one where, where, where I feel like it's a winning kind of day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Here, that's, here. Like, that's amazing that you had those types of conversations, uh, with your father. I mean, I'm looking back now and I'm, I'm laughing a little bit as I hear, uh, hear your stories, even passing the book on where, <laughs> yeah, my dad always wanted me to question things too, just not him. So I yeah. <laughs> very much given the answers to things. And that's, that's the way that, uh, like I said, there's the way that he saw them or the friend group around saw them. Right. So it's yeah. very direct in, in that approach. So yeah, it's, I mean, just the four of us have such different backgrounds. I'm sure just, mm-hmm in the way that we've been brought up that it's interesting just to see that on a small scale and imagine how many different ways there are out there when you encounter different people. Hey, Abby, I hear you have a momentum shout out that you want to share. I do. This is just like a general shout out to all the parents I've been seeing lately who have been, it's been snowing so much here lately, like Mm. so, so much. So I want to shout out all the parents (laughs) who I see out having like frolicking good times with their kids, but also like doing that early morning driveway shoveling and Mm. sidewalk shoveling and pouring out the salt and doing all of the things (laughs) to make sure everyone can get in and out of the house safely. And all the parents who I've been seeing shoveling with their kids too. Oh yeah. You got to teach that skill. Yeah. Especially like when they're older and helpful and it's just like a fun time together, but then when For they're sure. smaller and just really want to be helpful, but aren't quite yet. So the yeah. parents who have like had the patience with that and just keeping it going because the drudgery of winter is real and very uh, real. I appreciate seeing people doing what they need to do. You had mentioned how your dad had said it's important to tell the people in your life that you love that you love them. So I wanted to ask, how did you guys easily say that with your fathers growing up? Or what was that? And what does that look like for you guys? Oh, maybe on a handful of times. uh, (laughs) And more and more as I got older, I guess. I get, Mm -hmm. in all fairness, my younger years are a complete blur to me until about nine or ten years old. So... Mm -hmm. I'm sure there was a lot of that when I was younger, like, like, you know, like where my kids are now, like two or three, that kind of thing. But as uh, like, yeah, as a, uh, in elementary, like uh, grade five, from grade five to s- onwards, I guess, until nowadays, I guess it, that kind of conversation would never uh, mm-hmm. really come up uh, in my house. So in explicit words like that. Right? Yeah. So. It's, it's interesting to me. Cause I think there's, like there's something that can happen that's tied to like understanding of understandings of masculinity and like that manhood thing that like there's this sort of like hesitancy around vulnerability and like maybe telling you know like when it's interesting that like when a kid is really little it feels less vulnerable to be Mm -hmm. very affectionate and like very outward with your expressions of love and then just how that like trajectory might shift as a as a child gets older um especially like uh like if a a male identifying child how that um you know that that might change and how it feels like very vulnerable to maybe like say those things out loud so it's interesting to sort of unpack that a little bit and think about like how yeah, how did how does that impact folks in their own parenting, and can we recognize that? And then are you know like changing or not like how we talk to our own kids? I think that's one of those things that it. Uh, you're right. Like you know, my son will 
I, I tell my kids multiple times every day that I love them. That's how we start our morning. That's how we end our days. Uh, my son will kiss me on the lips and he'll do that outside. We'll get a hug. He'll kiss me. I'm like, mm-hmm. when will he stop doing that? Like when mm-hmm. society and media has chipped away at him enough for him to know that that's not cool. That's too vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's not safe. That's not acceptable because I, I grew up in a home that was very affectionate and and even though my dad and I were very different because there's that nature nurture like my dad's like music and art and I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna play the guitar and I'm like ADHD I need to like play ball hockey in the street and I have I have no interest Mm -hmm. to sit here and learn chords we were very different people but there was still always that grounding of I love you son and Mm -hmm. but then as soon as I probably hit grade six I'm like something shifted like it uh, my parents weren't important to me anymore it was my peer group Mm -hmm. I didn't want to hang out with my parents. I certainly wouldn't be hugging my dad and saying, I love you, dad, because now I'm too cool for school. And I'm going to own that Mm -hmm. from grade six all the way until about, you know, being a young man, probably about 2021, where then I realized I'm like, I've been playing this like falsehood, this game where I'm trying to like Mm -hmm. set, you know, this. I'm a square and set in your space. And this is where I need to be. And then as you get older, you're like, why, why was why was that my way of being for so many years? And then mm-hmm, you're like, mm-hmm. I love my dad. I want to hang out with my dad again. I need my dad. And, and so I wonder mm-hmm. if that's going to happen to my son. I'm, I'm still just waiting for the dagger in, in my back because my dad can say, <laughs> like, truthfully, he says, I can remember the day. Yeah. No, I'm good. And it was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I want to go for ice cream. I'm like, no, I want to, I'm going to play street hockey with my buddies. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then everything changed. And so yeah. I'm, I'm so scared about that day where mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey dude, you want to, you know, we, we, let's wash the truck together. And that's super fun. And you can blast the truck and, 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 and the cool things that we do. And then all of a sudden my, son, my son's going to say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, does that mean it's going to happen in grade six? Like when it happened for me, I'm like, that means I have mm-hmm. three, three years left. Oh, I'm so paranoid. I'm so scared. I'm like, can I have a, <laughs> can I have a few extra years, please? Because yeah. I don't like where this is going because yeah. at grade six, yeah. I was checked out. Like I yeah. was doing my thing. I was part of my, my hockey crew, my skateboard crew. It was my peer group. Mm-hmm. It was not my parents. So what was it that, where was that the shift? Was it because mm-hmm. we didn't, when, when we were growing up, I'm like, we didn't have these, we didn't have the mm-hmm. phones. I wasn't watching no. YouTube. There wasn't a, so what was it that all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I've hit 11. It ain't yeah. cool. tell your dad, you love him. You certainly wouldn't hug him and be out with him anymore. I'm like, yeah. going to happen to me and so that's yeah. something that is like totally is haunting to me I'm like at least I have three years I don't know <laughs> so and in- it's so interesting to me because you both like from very different experiences just articulated how whether it's like your you know Patrick like your your dad you know having a certain way of being and and expressing to you but like um Thad, you had a very different experience where your dad was very outward and, and like affectionate and all those pieces, but yet still like masculinity understandings of masculinity in our culture sort of ended Mm -hmm. up making its way in one way or another. Yes. Which I want to jump in on that and say, how has becoming a parent affected your views of masculinity? Ooh, good question. All right, Patrick, let's start with you. (laughs) Well, I just want to one parting comment there on uh, what Thad was saying. My eldest is two years old, and I worry about that every day. Totally. Like, like, yeah. Day, yeah. Like, You're going to love me forever, me. right? <laughs> right? Like, every time she says, oh, like, oh, or calls for daddy. I'm like, yeah. But uh, how many, how much more of those calls do I get before mm-hmm. it's just like, why are you even bothering me right now? Like, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> you relate to that. Uh, so, masculinity, how has my views on masculinity have changed? <laughs> it's funny because you too, you too. So you guys did an episode where you were talking about, ah, oh man, it's hard. I can't remember exactly what episode was, but where we're talking about uh, toughness or something along those lines. I think yeah. uh, maybe Abby told a story where like uh, your son had fallen and hurt themselves. And then someone said, oh, like, uh, don't cry about it or something like that. Yeah, right? like, yeah, like, or like if he didn't cry that he was being tough or whatever. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I guess for me, that has always been, uh, I've always associated that kind of, I guess, with like masculinity or whatnot, right? So like, yeah, Mm -hmm. toughen it up, like, you know, rub some dirt on to get back in there, (laughs) like uh, be a a man or something like that, right? Like, go go be a man, like stop crying about it kind of thing. When I know it's nothing, obviously, if it's a severe injury, I won't tell the kid to go and keep playing on the structure. (laughs) Rub some dirt in it. Don't mind the infections. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, infections aren't severe. We don't worry about infections. (laughs) 
No, but uh, I guess since since that, and then since hearing your conversation about that, I guess I've kind of reframed it so much as not being masculine or trying to take the gender, I guess, out of there. I'm still I'm still up on the toughness aspect of it, where it's like if it's something serious, okay, like you said, express express what you need to express, and if if not, then let's let's go, let's get back in the game. And even with I do a lot of coaching, so even with the kids I coach, I'm trying to take that aspect the gendered aspect out of things. And it's a trait that I appreciate is mental toughness is physical toughness to a certain degree anyways. And that's what I guess I try to change after having a little daughter is it's not so much a gendered trait or these traits aren't good. If you're male or if these trails are good for, if you're female, it's, I think that these traits are valuable. Let's try to shoot for those and take the everyone out of it. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, even the word and I'm, I'm going to be really I'm going to reveal vulnerability here and just be honest I think even when I hear the term masculinity I feel like it has a bit of a negative connotation to it mm-hmm. I feel there has been in years past um, a layer of this toxic masculinity that this mm-hmm. this comes with a certain set of behaviors and predispositions mm-hmm. that are unsavory and are negative mm-hmm. I have some ideas as to why I feel that way but I haven't I'm not going to unpack them here with you because I don't want to turn this into a therapy session. But when I, <laughs> when I think about masculinity, I try to come through it as a wanting to almost put that, that sort of that word and not, mm-hmm. it's not a bad word, but what does yep. it really mean to be a man? What mm-hmm. does it really be to, to have masculine traits. And so I'll talk mm-hmm. to my son about that. And like, I'll, I'll say, I'm like, be tough like a man. I'm like different things that maybe he's heard, you know, real men don't cry. And I feel like that mm-hmm. one we've done a good job with and we've gotten over that, you know, um, can we wear pink? All of these things where we're sort of, we, we break down the, the boxes that we're being told to sit in. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I take it more through the, instead of it being masculine or feminine, what are, what are traits to like, whether it comes through a humanistic perspective, but traits mm-hmm. of, of this is going to serve you well in life. Mm-hmm. Dads are really tough. Moms are really tough. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and just, I, I try to always sort of have conversations with him about what are the different characteristics, the traits, the behaviors, the dispositions that will serve us well in life. Patrick was talking about being gritty being resilient, mm-hmm. being tough. And so I've read a lot about, um, you know, the, the power of a growth mindset and that mm-hmm. to be resilient or you look at Carol Dweck and her, her talk on grit and tenacity, I'm all for that. So I have mm-hmm. my kids struggle a little bit before I save them. They, I make them lean into discomfort and have a mm-hmm. little bit of, of understanding that that's where the real growth happens. And I really try to make sure that when I'm, I'm talking about the things that I I think will serve my son or my daughter well in life. I don't come through it through a a place of masculinity. Mm -hmm. I don't come through it. Well, mom has this because of her feminine nurturing side. I'm like, Mm -hmm. we can be it all. Mm -hmm. Dad can cry with you, hug you and wipe the tears. Mom can give the lectures, cut the grass, chop the wood. Dad can do the dishes, make the dinner, mom. And so I don't know if Mm -hmm. it's a good thing to blur those lines and to break those downs because I do also wonder, does my son need that, like that sense of what it means to be a man? And I wonder because that might, um, philosophically, that might go against what media teaches him and the stories Mm -hmm. that he hears. Mm -hmm. And and, and so I wonder, am I going to create some some cognitive dissidence in, in my kids because... I'm not playing by the rules of the game, but I will also say the rules of the game are changing that I do. Totally. It's not, well, Thaddeus is doing it this way. No, no, no. I, I feel that a lots of fathers and moms today, we're moving into a place where we are, we are, are coming more through that lens of that's how we're going to be mm-hmm. firstly with each other and for each other. And so I don't think I'm doing anything special. I think I'm just trying to figure out what works for me. And I know a lot of other people are doing the same thing and figuring out, what works mm-hmm. for them, but I, I put masculinity off to the side and I use it through a lens of what are things that are going to help us be successful in our lives and be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's a mix of traits that maybe have been traditionally understood as masculine or feminine, right? Yeah. yeah hybrid. Go- yeah. And Patrick, you were nodding vigorously when Thad mentioned grittiness and resilience and also about the rules of the game changing. So did you want to jump in with anything there? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, as, as an educator and as, as a coach that uh, the whole grit and the talk on grit, 
it that that just comes up constantly and i mean i just did an assignment <laughs> on that exact same thing where i had the kids watch it and uh, go through it so once again i love the wavelength as far as the things are changing i guess that was where i wanted to hop in was just the fact that we keep saying like the media portrays this i guess aspect of manliness and like you know what we like toxic masculinity is proportional I guess just especially being an educator, being in schools and seeing some of the shifts that are happening in schools. I mean, like there's so many different things. If you look at a high school now, compare it to when we went to high school and it is night and day, even from levels of acceptance of little different groups. I mean, I'm not saying they're a perfect place by any stretch of the imagination, but there is that shift that's going. So once again, I guess that's where I started with that inherent where your kids are inheriting your views and you're preparing them for a world that you think that they need to be in. I think as a parent, male or female, I think a lot of that is re-educating yourself on what the landscape actually is and trying to shift and reevaluate some of your own beliefs into, okay, this is actually what they need to know or what they should be learning nowadays, right? Like trying to make that shift. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm just curious as an educator, I know we're surrounded by it a lot. So I guess someone looking in from the outside, do you still get that feeling of it is very, like gender roles are being pushed a lot or is there that shift actually happening? Inside the school, I'm looking at it and I'm there every day. So it seems like that shift is something that's promoted lots. And I see that, whereas I've got friends that are, you know, aren't educators at all and their views are pretty much stuck in, or not, I'm not going to want to say stuck, but it's still very much, mm-hmm. it's this direction. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I would definitely say, as somebody who doesn't work as an educator, I see that there is still a lot of gendered messaging just in the, in the like shows and things that my child consumes. I'll go to Megan's favorite example, like Paw Patrol. <laughs> You know, like the girl character is always in pink and always has to be like differentiated in some way instead of everybody just like rocking the same color palette and having- Isn't on the boys (laughs) t-shirts. And so I think just from that perspective, from a pop culture perspective, Mm -hmm. um, because I fancy myself a student of pop culture, (laughs) there's a lot of gendered messaging that comes through still. And it does start at a staggeringly young age. I want to acknowledge what you said, Patrick. I do think that schools are a lot of schools and a lot of school districts or divisions are working really hard to um, be more progressive in how they understand gender within their spaces. Um, Even just speaking to like, you know, there are a lot of schools that have, um, you know, that are acknowledging that a lot of kids don't fit into either of those boxes and that are non-binary and, you know, they need a place to go to the bathroom and they need to feel um, human and um, seen in those spaces as well. And we're not perfect, certainly. And I would definitely be an advocate for even moving that needle further, but I see schools trying. Like, I think I do see like the arc of history in this part of the conversation within that really, really important environment, um, trying to understand, trying to do better and, and be trying to be evidence-based. Like what is the science and the data telling us about how we understand gender and how that impacts how we educate and how we talk and how we work with kids. And what the evidence is telling us is that there's been a lot of harm along the way in some of those practices. And so I I see schools as a space that we can all be looking to, to like see how things have changed and how they continue to change and an openness to do better, I guess. Yeah. Abby, what were you going to say? I was going to say, like going back to Patrick's part though, like, because we're talking about as people like inside the education system, but outside of it, when you're not seeing that, you don't see the inner workings, you don't see the curriculum you don't necessarily like have access to the teachers. Like my son is not yet school-aged. And so like, I know a lot of educators, but so like, I also have like a little bit of a window that maybe parents in a different position wouldn't. And so when you take out the school piece and there's all the other things, like what your children's consuming through the media, through pop culture, through random friends, through ads, because even if you don't like my child still has access to ads, even though we don't have cable and he just does streaming, but like, we'll pass a billboard or we'll pass something that just catches his eye. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of messaging about how people are supposed to be. And it's not even necessarily explicitly stated, but it's enough, like where my child will sometimes be like, that's a girl thing. 
And I'll be like, what? Like, like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, it feels like the call is coming from inside the house, except for, I know it's not coming from our house. So where, what house is this call coming from? But I'm looking forward to him starting school and seeing like the messaging, because obviously you can take what you learn in school and then spread that out into your community. So hopefully we have most of our kids attending schools that dad and Patrick, Mm -hmm. like the ones that they're working Mm -hmm. in and encountering educators like you, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it, it is tricky outside Mm -hmm. of outside of the school system and it's going to take time right it's one of those other things like oh this is i see a shift and a change but this is going to take time because at the end of the day Mm -hmm. we're trying to like uncondition these pattern Mm -hmm. ways of thinking and so Mm -hmm. what's what is it it's we need to learn how to unlearn to relearn how to learn Mm -hmm. totally i'm like so that's like whoa that's a matzo belt matzo ball there thais it's like yeah how, how is it that we unlearn these pattern mm-hmm. ways these this these sort of that have been so entrenched and and again it also we we weave in different cultures different spiritualities mm-hmm. different philosophies totally. and i'm like this is a very complex thing because my lens of how we should be is not going to necessarily be someone else's that could be my mm-hmm. neighbor that could be i have 25 different kids in my class now there's 340 people in the school and so when you think about that my understanding of where we should go may not be completely mm-hmm. accepted. In fact, that could be a falsehood for someone else and that doesn't feel good. And so I see a universal shift to having more gender fluidity, more, more acceptance for different ways of being. But at the end of the day, it's going to take time because we're trying to, we're trying to unlearn a very mm-hmm. long time of prescribed feelings and patterns of thinking. And that doesn't happen mm-hmm. easily, nor does it happen quickly. No, not at all. So talking about that and like learning through different lenses and different ways of being and getting different perspectives. Do you guys talk to your friends about parenthood? Mm. Conversation around parenthood. Yeah. Is usually once again, like not gender specific. It's not like we have like a father's group that talks about father Whoa. stuff. It's, We've got a, we've got a friends group, uh, a chat that, uh, yeah, oftentimes is just about parenting or someone's trying to do potty training. What are some of the tips and mm-hmm. long that. So we do lean on each other in that regard, but it's not, uh, it's not like a uh, few of us will go out and just talk about like dad stuff. And then like the girls go out and talk about mom mm-hmm. stuff kind of thing. So now that's amazing. Like, I know we all have that, like just speaking from a parenthood perspective with people in our life. Um, and it can be a bit gendered, but I think when you're talking that about, you know, this is going to be a long haul and it's like, it's going to take unlearning and re- like, I think even that right there, that little nugget that you have a WhatsApp group or whatever with other men in your life, that's like just talking about parenting, even though it's like not from a gendered perspective and you're not necessarily having, you know, these like deep talks about gender and like your roles, but you have a group where you would go and talk about potty training I think that's like kind of that nugget of maybe we're not naming it as that but like that's a that's a huge gain like I don't imagine that like a generation ago there would be the same level of comfort for some masculine parents so like male-bodied or male identifying parents to like be in that discussion with their peers you know even though it's not like specifically talking about gender but like to be like what are you feeding your kid? Or like, we're having a sleep regression. Like it was moms who were having those conversations. And so that's like, I think that's it. Like it's that stuff that actually moves the needle that you're normalizing that. Patrick, where was your group? I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish like, I had send a me the link. <laughs> I didn't. So here's my, I didn't have that because I was, I, Barb and I had kids mm-hmm. before a lot of our friends did. So it was like, I had one other friend that had, um, had a kid at, at but at that point when Barb and I had, we didn't have friends who had kids. And so we didn't really, um, we kind of try to just figure it out on our own. And then it ends up being our parents by default. You know, it's two in the yeah. morning and the kid won't go say, mom, what do I do? They won't go to sleep. And I can like, relate to that. Big you know time. what I mean? And so those mm-hmm. are the conversations now that I have more friends who have kids. I got to be really honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. And I'm like, I don't think we do talk about that a whole lot. And I wonder if it's because, um, because, you live in, 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 in the space of being a father and being a parent and I'm around other people's kids all day long and I'm around my kids mm-hmm. and it's busy and it's wild and it's draining. So when I go out with my friends, I don't want to talk about what they're, I'm like, <laughs> I, I like, I want to talk about other things other than yeah. parenting, but I'm, totally. 
but then I, I talk to my dads. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll talk to my parents. I've got two sisters in my life now. So I've got a couple of sisters that I can talk to them about. What did you do in this situation or that situation? Mm-hmm. But for the most part, um, it, it isn't. And when I do get with my friends, I think it's maybe just because we want to break. But if we're stressed mm-hmm. out and there's stuff going on in our lives, like I've been having a real hard time with put downs and stuff like that, yeah, then yeah. we'll have those conversations. But normally I'm like, I don't. And when I was an early first father, I had nothing. I really didn't talk to anyone. And I'm like, Patrick, like, you mean you get together and you talk about how to do body? Do <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, I'm going to go ahead because I, I feel like I can almost picture this group chat with Patrick. So I feel like it's a mi- yeah. among a bunch of other conversations. <laughs> Where yeah. it's like, we're talking about this and this and this. Also, potty training, cool. What tips? Great. And then talk yeah. about this, this and this. Well, you got to remember, I was a genius. So I had my kid lead my so All my friends already had, went through all of this stuff, right? So the opposite of you, nice. everybody. So it would make it a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I relate to your experience that because we had kids before most of like we, you know, earlier than everybody else. And like, yeah, it's kind of alienating. And so I think like some of that might not even have like a gendered component. It's just like, who, like if your village isn't there yet, like mm. it's not there. And, and so Abby and I have talked about this a lot, like with my first um, son, it was like, I, I can really relate to that. Like, there wasn't really anyone to like have those conversations with, but now as a, as a parent, like later on in my journey and I have another child and most folks in my, our life have now started to have kids. I'm almost like kind of retroactively, like trying to chime in and be mm-hmm. now I'm sort of like, you know, is there something I can offer? Cause I'm a little bit further ahead mm-hmm. uh, and make it a little easier for somebody else in their, in their journey. But it's nice to have that community. I mean, that's partly why we started this podcast. We yeah. needed that community. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I have like two more questions I want to ask the both of you. How did you know you wanted to become a father? How did you know you wanted to be a parent? My wife told me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like I said, I had kids (laughs) way later uh, than a lot of my friends group. So uh, I always knew that it was something that I wanted to do. So I guess just personally, it was just either selfishly like that legacy thing or just I don't know, just, just innate. And I think the biggest problem or the biggest encouragement was as an educator, you're around kids all the time. Right. So obviously you get to the point where you either love them or hate them. So Mm -hmm. if you love them, then you might as well have a couple of your own. So that's, uh, that's pretty much where I got to was let's, uh, let's try this thing. And how does it meet your expectations? What you thought it would be? Mm, Good question. And then I'll ask you both of those that as well. (laughs) How does it meet my expectations? Uh, or exceed or not meet <laughs> or surprise. Has it surprised you in, in different ways? I will say that just, I always thought it was going to be uh, a difficult situation. I always <laughs> prayed that I never had a daughter and that was uh, my firstborn. I knew that was going to be difficult and a hard adjustment for me. So it's meeting my expectations swimmingly and, uh, as far as a second one, so I had a son who's about four months old now. The second kid is where my whole parenting fell apart was like this <laughs> unreal jump from having one. Where- well, you also like for a second there had two under two. So that's also like a whole other ball game. Well, well once again, I said I was a genius earlier and that's where I was a fool is like, oh, I'm super old to then try to deal with uh, a bunch of young kids. So. So yeah, that was uh, me stepping in it right there. But uh, no, I I just couldn't believe the jump. So it exceeded my expectations as far as difficulty when it came to to the second one. But I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It'll put me in the grave, but it is. uh, (laughs) What about you, Thad? How do you know you wanted to be a dad? You know what? I think, um, again, it goes back to my family of origin. I was an only child. Okay. So growing up, uh, didn't have any siblings and and I always felt like I would be a really good big brother because I'm fun and I'm silly and mm. you know I've got lots of things that I could share um I was naturally very athletic but my parents weren't at all so I kind of self-taught myself a lots of the sports my parents were amazing would take me to the places to mm-hmm. buy me the equipment and then kind of kick me out there and say you know you, you'll figure it out um so I always felt like I had lots to like I wanted to be a brother I always had this this craving to be like a, a brother, I'd be a really good big brother, I'd be a cool big brother. And I think, you know, and how exciting it was for me to find out, you know, whatever, some 30 years later that I actually have two sisters, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, but I think from an early on, I, I always felt like, 
I had something to pass on to or to give. I liked caring for people. Mm. When when I when I when I met Barb, um, as where we started to be, you know, um, partners. I remember early on, like, do you, that would be a game changer for me. Like, do do you want kids? And if they said no, I'd I'd be out. Yeah. And she said, yeah, I want kids. And she says, do you? I said, yeah, kids are the best. Like, I love kids. No offense to adults, but I'm like, I normally generally. <laughs> I'm generally happier sometimes hanging out in a room with kids because mm. why kids are the freaking best. Like I literally, <laughs> I love kids of all ages. I think kids are just such special mm-hmm. little humans. And they're, I just, I love how they can leave their filters off to the side, tell you their hearts are on their sleeves. They tell yeah. you what's up, how they relate to life. So I knew early on that um, I, I, I wanted to be a father. And as far as my expectations, it's, it's way harder than I thought it would be. Two is a game changer. Like, mm-hmm. I, um, I think it's both the the greatest joy of my life and both the most challenging space. So I'm like, I, I, this is going to sound bad, but it's both the best and the worst. Totally it's challenged my relationship mm-hmm. past anything else. It's mm-hmm. it's it's made it harder for me to be emotionally connected to my wife to, mm-hmm. to have that time. It's been a real hard challenge of, am I doing enough? Um, am I, am I, am I serving and supporting my kids the way they, they deserve? Am I doing enough? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also been way greater than I ever could have imagined. Like being totally. a father and getting like, when I get home and I, I have these two little humans that are like dad and they run and I get a hug mm-hmm. and I get to have cuddles and I get to teach them things or things that I mm-hmm. taught them like, did you know, dad, I always tell the music teacher, thanks for a great music class. And I do that every time. I'm like, Aww. dude, you're so thoughtful. And he's like, well, you told me it's so important to tell other people that when they do things that are important for you to tell them, and I give yeah. people compliments. I'm like, oh, so that's the best. So it's been both, it's been much harder than it ever could have anticipated. No amount of parenting books or Google searches could have prepared me. Mm-hmm. It's also a hundred percent more amazing than I ever and I could get emotional but mm-hmm. being a father is way better than I ever could have imagined and I thought I can't believe one day when this beautiful baby in my wife's tummy is going to be an actual child that I can hold mm-hmm. I'm like it's going to be the best thing ever I'm like my words I'm like they transcend the feeling that I have as a father yeah. and I really I can't I don't even have words to be able to express how amazing it is but also how challenging it is totally so I have one final question then what do you hope your kids will say about you as a parent when they're adults? Ooh. I love, that's it. I love them hard. That's it. That's literally my definition of yeah. love is, of, and my, my, like, this is my life of how hard did I, how hard did I love people? And so no matter what, I would want my kids to know that dad, dad loved us really hard. Like mm-hmm. that, that's it. If, if, if it's like, well, dad was kind and he was thoughtful and he taught me some good stuff. I'm like, that's the cherry on a Sunday. But mm-hmm. I'm like, at the core, I'm like, dad loved me hard. Mom, mm-hmm. mom and dad love me really hard. And if they know that, that they were loved, valued, heard, they were loved hard, done. I'm good. I might drop and I'm out and I can live a happy life. <laughs> Choking me up over here, Thad. <laughs> what about you, Patrick? I'm not going to be so eloquent, but uh, no, that's, uh, that's exactly it, is that at the end of the day, they can say, I knew I could always count on my dad. And that pretty much sums it up. I mean, you can't ask for anything else. You, you try to prepare them and try to be ready for the world. And at the end of the day, they know that you did everything that you could to put them in the best position that you could as far as you knew at that time. Right. So that's, uh, that's where I come from. Well, now that I'm crying, that's, <laughs> that's probably a great place to leave it yes. for this conversation. Um, we can't thank you both enough for sitting with us, chatting with us. I think that what you've offered is such a gift um, to anybody who's exploring fatherhood in their own way. And maybe folks that don't have that community, they hear you two talk about what your experiences have been. If can feel like you do have camaraderie and community in this wild ride, like you said, that (laughs) full of wild highs and low lows. (laughs) Thank you both for your honesty and your vulnerability and for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. This has been a, uh, a really good experience. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. I listened to a few of your podcasts before and I absolutely love them. So I'm going to tune in more. Um, the two of you have such a great way of putting people at ease. I appreciate the conversation and I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it was just a, organic, comfortable conversation that we were able to let our guards down and just speak from the hearts. And so the both of you have a great gift. And I, I thank you for uh, having Patrick and I on the show. And uh, I wish everyone a, a wonderful rest of their day. Thanks so much. 
Let's pause for a moment. Tim. What does it mean? The gift of your giving, time, space, love, weathering storms, yet always holding steady. The present of your presence, even if you're not standing right there. A shoulder to cry on when words aren't enough. Teaching growth through emotions, depth through understanding, acceptance with affection. A spectrum of ways of being, figuring it out as you go, making adjustments, choosing right for your child over being right just to win, building a team that remains solid through whatever comes your way. We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Anina, Oji Cree, Dena, and Dakota peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Gaining Momentum. Gaining hosted Megan and Abby. With artwork by Catherine Katjak. With music by Evan Dysart. Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.